How you doing? My name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here at River City. Thanks for joining us by doing the worship guide this morning. So uh, recording live from the River City Church building where I'm hoping that there's a train that goes by while I'm recording this and it makes a huge amount of noise. So then we can get the full River City experience here on Sunday morning because that's what we all miss. So, so like I mentioned last time, uh, for the last next few weeks, I'm going to be given just a few short devotionals from the book of Hebrews, which is in the New Testament. And if you're, again, if you're wondering why I picked Hebrews, it's because I just really like the book of Hebrews. And one of the reasons why I really like it is because it just does a great job shining a light on the gospel and, um, and Jesus. So I just really like it. It's good for my heart. Hope it's, hopefully it's good for your heart. So around 10 years ago, I was discipling a college guy who grew up in a Christian family. And his family was really great, but they had some extreme theological views that led them to believe that some books you should read in the Bible and some books you should never read in the Bible. So one of the books that was off limits due to those extreme views was the book of Hebrews. So one day I'm meeting with him and he's like, Aaron, even though my parents told me that I was never supposed to read Hebrews, I'm going to read Hebrews because it's in the Bible and I'm really curious about what it says and I just really need to make my faith my own. So, and I was like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. That sounds like a good idea to read Hebrews. You know, some people go to house parties to rebel in college. Like, sounds like you're going to read Hebrews. So, good. that's good. Cool. Sounds good. So, when we met the next week, he told me he had read Hebrews, and he really liked it. And he said it focused so much on Jesus. It focused on the gospel. And he just found it so rewarding and good for his heart. So, and he was also like, man, I am not telling my parents this when I get home for Christmas break. And so that was one of the weirdest conversations I've ever had, but it was good for him. So I was excited for him. So be a rebel and read Hebrews. That's pretty much the, the point of that story and me telling that. So this morning we're going to be focusing on Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. So if you don't have your Bible in front of you, how about you press pause on this recording here and go get your Bible and then meet me back here in a minute. Uh, because it's good to read this stuff for yourself and not just take my word for it. So chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Again, like we're parachuting into this passage here, so I'm just going to be given a little context. I'm not going to suck the marrow out of everything in here for sure, because that's not what we have time for. But anyway, so I'm just going to be given a little context as we go along. So chapter 2, verse 14. It says, Since the children have flesh and blood, so when it says the children, that's talking about Christians, that's talking about people, the children of God, people who belong to Jesus, they're talking about Christians there. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. And he's talking about Jesus here. He's the one who shared in their humanity. So that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. Now, if you read before this in this book, uh, in chapter 1 and chapter 2, what you'll find is that the, um, the Hebrew, the original audience of this book here, they were focusing on angels way, way, way too much. I mean, they were worshiping angels. They were way overly focusing on G on angels and that was coming at the expense of their worship of Jesus. So 
For surely it is not angels he focuses on and helps, but Abraham's descendants. And Abraham's descendants, that is an Old Testament reference that basically just means Christians. That's talking about us there. Verse 17, for this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, not some ways, every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. And that word atonement right there, that's a huge word because like if you break it down, at one meant, it's like we are made at, through the death of Jesus, we are made at one with God. Like that his death made atonement for our sin. Which So verse 18, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Let me read that verse 18 once more. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus is fully God and fully human. This is not um, a 50-50 mix, okay? This is like 100% human, 100% God. But it's like, well, how is that possible? Because... Um, the God made a God man. It's you just can't understand it. So like if you have a if you have a dog and you have a crossbreed of like oh it's a it's a mix of between a collie and a lab. I don't know anything about dogs. So um, that's like a fifty fifty mixed breed. Okay, no no like but like Jesus isn't a mixed breed when it comes to like being fully God and fully human. No, no, he's 100% and 100%. So this would be like if you had a dog and um, you had like those papers that prove the purebredness of your dog and it was said, and on those papers it said, you are a, like your dog is a purebred lab and a purebred collie. And people would be like, how is that possible? That's not possible. But like, that is what makes Jesus unique. He is 100% God and 100% human. And it's important to believe that Jesus is fully God because if you read uh, Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5 where there's that heavenly throne scene, um, throne room scene, um, where Jesus is at the center of that heavenly throne room and he's the one being worshipped. He's the one, and because he's at the center of that, of that scene right there, He's the one we center our hearts and our minds and our lives around. He's fully God, and that's why we orbit around him. And it's also important to believe that Jesus is fully human, which that's what this passage hits on here in Hebrews. Verse 14, he shared in our humanity. Verse 17, he was fully human in every way. Not in some ways, every way. And in, in his humanity, verse 18, he suffered when he was tempted. That's why he's able to help those who are being tempted, it says. One of the reasons why God the Father sent God the Son to earth to become fully human is so that we could identify with him in a deeply meaningful way like that. And in doing so, we are able to more clearly see his infinite ability to help us in our times of suffering and temptation. God came down to us. So I didn't, I didn't get her permission to, 
tell this story, but so Maggie, my middle daughter, uh, so a couple weeks ago, we were eating supper together, just in, enjoying world lockdown together uh, at the supper table. So uh, we're having supper together, and I can't remember how this came up, but she said, um, she asked a really good question. She said, how do we know that the God that we worship is the right one? Because a lot of people in the world worship other gods that we don't. So, you know, and I, that was a good question. So I just said, like, well, Maggie, what do you think? And she said, I don't know because I love God and I trust him, but how do we know that he's the right one? You know, and I said just really simply like, yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. Like you should keep asking questions like that. And I suppose a good question to ask is like, what makes our God unique compared to all the other ones? Because imagine if God is on top of a mountain which he's not on top of a mountain, just, but, but just pretend for the sake of this, what I'm trying to say is like, pretend that God is on top of a mountain. So all the other major world religions believe that you have to strive and work hard to get up that mountain to get to God. But the unique thing about the God that we worship is that he came down the mountain to get to us. God came down. Jesus came down. Jesus is unique. Jesus is fully human, like Hebrews 2 says. So think in your mind, like, how would you describe the suffering and temptation that you're going through right now? How would you describe the suffering and the temptation that you're going through right now? So whatever went through your mind right now when I said that, verse 18 says in this passage that Jesus came down the mountain and because of that, he's able to help you in your suffering and your temptation right now. So here's the two questions that I'm leaving you with. So one, um, how do you typically deal with suffering and temptation in your heart and mind? How do you typically deal with suffering and temptation in your heart and mind? And two, in what ways is Jesus inviting you to let him help you with those things? In what ways is Jesus inviting you to let him help you with those things? So how you answer that second question right there, that's something that you need to pray and ask God about and then talk to someone else this week about it. So from here, you can jump into the rest of the worship guide, and thanks for listening, and we'll look forward to seeing you next week.